Hello, business builders. Welcome to the Zero to 5,000 podcast, where we interview founders of America's fastest growing companies. Our mission is to arm you with the tools and the confidence to scale your own venture. So to that end, every now and then, we gladly welcome a non-founder leader, thinker, or influencer to help you do just that. I'm Drew McClure. My co-host is Jordan Mitchell, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks trying to get this podcast rolling because we're laughing hard, but I think that is the great uh, context for this conversation. We want to do a season one recap, and for this season one recap, we've invited in two of our team members, Trevor and Harrison, to uh, interview us today to put us in the hot seat and ask us questions about uh, looking back on season one, some of our favorite things, funniest moments, biggest takeaways, all those kinds of things. So strap in, today's going to be fun and a little bit different. So I'm going to, with that being said, I'm going to turn it over to one of these jokers and uh, let them take us away. So Trevor, Harrison, yeah. where do we start? First off, thank you for everybody. That they need to know that this podcast doesn't happen without Trevor and Harrison. So that's just one thing that I would want to make sure to, that everybody knows. True. The reason this thing goes down is because these guys. Um, so yeah, now you can take it away. Lead us. Trevor, take us. I think we probably, I think we probably end right there. That uh, that's really all, all our fans need to know. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. That's why we did this one was just to, to let you get to take all the credit for a moment. Yeah. Perfect. That's it. Yeah. Uh, I'll start with this one. Do either of you have a favorite moment that you'd like to recall back for us on season one? Mm. Yes. Can my favorite moment be the funniest moment? Those are different. Those are different. Oh, no. Well, I think that tells you about my personality. My favorite moments are the funniest moments. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, we did 10, 8, 10, 12 episodes. I don't know how many interviews we did. We asked the same questions to every one of them, you know. And my favorite question was, if you could go back in a DeLorean for five seconds and yell out the window something to yourself, what would it be? And as I look back, there were so many different personalities you know, that, uh, the particular setup I gave to one guest would have been appropriate for, uh, and the the person I actually said this line to, it wasn't inappropriate, but it's just funny thinking back on. So we did an interview with Dan Campbell, uh, who is fantastic, incredible person, incredible person, but you know, more, more mature, I guess is what I'm looking for a straight laced kind of guy. Uh, and we, for some reason on that one, as I was throwing out examples of things you could yell out your passenger window to him, I said, I said, you know, like you might want to go back in time and yell out, don't do that line of Coke, <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> which, which I stand by. Like you, you, you can't judge a book by its cover. Maybe he had oh, that yeah. time in his life, but I look back and like out of all the people we interviewed, I chose him to oh. yell that line out to. Uh, so that stands to be my favorite, that my favorite moment of season one. Yes. Everything in my body tightened up at that moment where I'm like, yeah. oh, is this, he played, he played it cool. He was actually, he's an incredibly cool guy, but it was like, oh, is this going to be okay? <laughs> yes. Yes. I have very little filter. So that almost got us in trouble right yeah. away. Oh my gosh. Um, hey, money. What about you? Gosh. Yeah. For me. Uh, yeah. I think talking with, with Sangram um, yeah, from Terminus was, was probably, one of my favorite, golly, there, there were so many people that are really like, was really honored and just loved hearing their story. But yeah, talking with him and being able to uh, just discuss um, account-based marketing, which has been just incredibly important to, to us and what we're trying to accomplish and, our, and, and kind of our own business that we're building that we want to build fast, just like them. Um, that to me was like, it really piqued my curiosity. And as you listen to that one, I also just honored him a ton for um, really doing some stuff that I think helped our business get to the point that it is through the pandemic. You know, I, I shared with him that like, dude, what you shared and what your company's doing gave us the confidence in the midst of like really a very uncertain time. I think we had just dropped 48% revenue like that overnight. And then we come across his information a few weeks later in the pursuit of interviewing him on the podcast, but it, it steered the direction. And so that, uh, that opportunity just to like thank him and then like actually become friends with him and realize like, this is an incredible person. It's a lot of fun to talk to. 
and we just had an incredible time with him. Uh, that was probably my favorite moment where I was like, man, this is, this is why we're doing this whole thing is to, yep. you know, our vision as a company, build things with friends, have fun and kick ass. It was like, Oh, this is, this is us kind of getting a chance to do that outside of our own little circle. And yeah, that was, that was my favorite for sure. Yeah, I would agree. I'm glad you brought that up because I forgot in the moment it was special because I don't think either of us had connected some of the dots we were making until we were actually interviewing him. And 100%. It was, it was like, oh, wow. Yeah, that was. Oh, man. Remember when we first started talking about that? Because at the time, when, I, when, when we discovered that, I was in the middle of trying to put the sales hat on for our organization while everyone was busy doing different stuff. And I was trying to research best practices and we were reading different books but they all felt like they weren't going to work in this season. They're like maybe if conditions were just right, we could do what everybody else is doing and get the results that a few of them are getting. And then I came across his account-based marketing and researching for him, uh, researching him for our podcast. And I remember texting you guys like, this guy has flipped the funnel, like, which is actually the, you know, the title of his podcast, but like he's literally doing the opposite and it makes all the sense of the world to me. And it might be the thing that gets us through this. And so it was cool. You're right. When we were talking with him being like, man, you didn't save our business. You know, I think we would have found a way through it, but you certainly turned this thing um, into some momentum we would not have had during coronavirus. Yeah, so may maybe you've both already answered this. Um, and if the answer to this question is Sangram, then uh, maybe go to your second or third answer. But uh, who inspired you from the season? Oh, I'd like to go first. <laughs> uh but no, Ansley was a pretty inspirational dude. Um, this is like, there's so many honorable mentions. I mean, gosh, Todd has, was legit and Carneal is incredible. What Dan Campbell did is amazing. Um, Brandon and Casey, like we know them really well. So like it true, that's a hard, I'm getting like the, the thoughts flooding me of like why they all kind of inspire me. But Bono stuck with me because he just had, and he has just some incredible swagger about him but as he was talking about like as i was growing my business you know all these businesses have grown so rapidly but when he talked about i i wanted my business to double a year from now then i just decided what did my business need to have a year from now to be double you know what was going on in that and then i just started doing that a year ahead of time that to me was uh it made logical sense it was stretching it challenged my own abilities to think about our business and has continued to provide direction. But it was also just, it had a nice level of like arrogant belief of like, I'm about yes. to double this thing and I'm betting on myself. And I think he, uh, he emitted such a positive vibe of that, of just self-confidence in the midst of, I think he even said, we had a few people said like, I'm nobody special, but I operate within the world in a very special way. He, he just believes that the world is malleable, that he can shape it. And to me, that was very true about all of them. Um, but something that certainly stood out for him, it was like, man, that is challenging to me and deeply inspirational for sure. Well, yeah, he came, he came to mind as well. I'm going to actually, I'm going to spend time highlighting somebody different, but just to follow up on yours, he came to mind as well when we asked that question uh, for that reason, but also the whole conversation we got in with him about him not being in certain definitions special early on, I thought that was a really yeah. inspiring part of his story. And you can even tell, he, he even said, I've never thought about this before. Like he was making connections about his success versus his starting point that he had never thought about until we were asking him questions. Yeah. And we got into a really fascinating conversation about um, assuming either greatness or lack thereof based off of traditional metrics. You know, I don't, mm -hmm. as I recall, he wasn't great in school and maybe even in certain sports and things like that. Yeah. And we got into a really great conversation about you could still have a genius, you know, if you were to apply it in a different way. And to me, that was the most, um, that was the most inspiring part of his story was that he found where his, his genius actually was. Yeah. And that that maybe is really hopeful for some people that have failed in certain ventures or not been traditionally great in a certain area that people um, might, you know, um, judge them on. And it's like, but yeah, I bet you're great somewhere. And if we could find out how your personality works and where you uniquely see the world and you could contribute some kind of great value somewhere. So that was awesome. I would yeah. also say they all inspire us. And that's not just a, 
that's not just a pandering answer to our guests, but the reason they were invited onto the show was because they inspired us, right? Mm -hmm. So, so we start from there. Like if you were on the show, it was because you were doing something that inspires us. Now, inside of that, I would say what stuck out the most to me was Michael Brody Waite. And I think the reason was because it was a different kind of conversation than we would typically have in the business space. So he both represented somebody who's been incredibly successful as an entrepreneur and business owner, yet he also represented somebody doing something at a human level that's really bold, which is being truthful. I think that stuck out to me the most. You know, even beyond the drug addict, part of his storyline and all that kind of stuff, uh, that he was truthful at all costs and continues to commit to live that way that, you know, his phrase of living mask free, I, that just deeply challenged me. I, mean, I literally had a conversation mm -hmm. with my wife afterwards, like, where are we living with masks on, you know, and this yeah. is not something unfamiliar to me. We've talked about this, we've used that same language mm -hmm. in personal development. Uh, but the depth or maybe the, the extent of his commitment to it, uh, really challenged me. And um, so that one stuck out the most to me, yeah. I would say in the inspirational category. Yeah, we should, we should pump his book for him. Uh, great leaders uh, live like drug addicts and uh, just let him know, go buy his book. Yeah. But yeah, he was, he was, gosh, he was so good. And he's been awesome just to, to follow and stay in touch with literally just this morning, uh, the call right before this, I reference his, his three things that you need to like, or the three things that his program has to help you live mask free, but that any of the 12 step programs help help addicts with is you need a society that like a community to be a part of, you need a sponsor and then you need a system. And I just referred that to somebody else of like, Hey, with what you're trying to talk about, what you're trying to accomplish right now, something Michael Brody way taught me, you probably could look into these three things. Yeah. And that was, um, that was cool. That was a cool thing to learn. But yes, who he was was inspiring. Um, yeah, he was the he was the real deal, right? Like he lived without masks with us really, really well, and has continued to do that. And he's he's been willing to be a, a friend too, and that has been been really uh, man. He just shows generosity, and and also just lives out what he's talking about, which was was really cool. Yeah, I like that one. Super good. Um, Everybody, like you guys said, everybody is so inspiring. I want to hear uh, a few more takeaways. Like go back to like what you said, Jordan, about Sangram. Uh, like flip your funnel. Like what are some of those really concrete takeaways that you know people can can listen and walk away and actually change their business, change their life? You know, the first one for me that comes to mind uh, started with the interview with Brandon and Casey, which oh, yeah. I, I'm remembering chronologically in order of how we interviewed people. I don't know in terms of how the season will be, uh, how the season was released, whether it started with them or not. But in my mind, they started a theme that I saw in several owners' stories. And one of them was playing the long game. That if you look at a lot of the decisions they made, it was not out of a scarcity mindset. It was not out of a like, in the short term, how do I get as much as I can get and set up a win-lose relationship with people in your company or the market that you're, you're seeking to serve or benefit from. They made a lot of decisions that really were like, we want to build something great for the long haul. And so we're making decisions that might have short-term sacrifice, but long-term gain. And I thought I saw that in a lot of these, these successful business owners is they were willing to do unconventional things or sacrifice short-term wins um, for a really long-term payoff. And so that stuck out to me as well as um, their commitment to setting up a win-win relationship with their people. And again, I see this in a lot of great companies. They just really, from the beginning, fight the temptation to win more than their people win, to, to kind of fight that dynamic that can happen on accident or on purpose where the people at the top are winning so disproportionately in comparison to the people that are making the dream come true, the frontline employees. And we saw that with symmetry, the way they cut them in even recently, um, you know, as, as somewhat stakeholders to a degree in the company. And you just see, you know, the model itself uh, reflecting a, if I win, you win, if you win, I win model. 
And so that, that was, that's the first thing that sticks out to me. Yeah, that's, that really is good. And I, that they're a great highlight of that early of being generous. And we saw that theme kind of show up with, with a few people of being generous to your talent, um, pays you dividends as you grow. And that's not a place to skimp. Um, cause when they win, you win. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, Chris Carneal is somebody that I'd known for quite a few years. Um, the conversation we went on a, a thread towards just talking about the difference between virtues and values. And, um, personally, actually, you know, our values that we have within our company, I didn't share the same sentiment that he had towards his company's values that his company's values, when he talked about creating them, he created them really young early on in, in their creation. And I think he just learned things, uh, through life, but he, he said they would point to them. They were, they were something that they cared about. They, they encouraged the values often, but they weren't actually still being lived by. And he mentioned virtues is, is something that he's, you know, they've now instilled, they've created virtues and these virtues are something that every, every single day someone can do, but that every single day someone still has to strive to pursue. Like you could never actually arrive at the virtue, but you could also do it every day. And to me, that was uh, just a great thought about, Hey, how do you mobilize values? You know, that's a conversation that we get into a lot in our, in our work. And I thought that one was a great takeaway that I thought like, Hey, this is a little thing that somebody could easily miss. Cause it's like, it's virtues, values, you know, do I even pay attention to these words? I'm trying to scale this company, but the results that, because I know that culture pretty well too, if he's saying, cause they were already a pretty value-based culture. And if he's saying they're getting more results based on that move, um, to me, that was something that made me really lean in and go, okay, what is he doing? What is he doing there? And, uh, and also connect with us. You know, I think we really do a good job leaning into our values as a, as a team. So it probably connected with me uh, well, but that was, that was definitely a big takeaway that I thought, man, I hope people are listening to this. Yeah. Yeah. Man, there was another big one when I think about the interview we did with Todd and on the mindset side, uh, I just remember him, we asked him, you know, how did you get through some of the toughest times mentally in the Navy SEALs? Where did their training pay off for you? And he talked about this concept of chunking where you take something that's big and scary or painful and you break it down into bite-sized chunks that you you make your mind focus on and so i'd heard this several times in interviews with with navy seals and he talked about like in in you know in, in the day he's got hell week right so you got buds and you got hell week and the people that failed were the ones that were always thinking about it's monday and i've got till friday how am i going to make this right but the, what they teach you is like, can you break it down and say, all right, it's morning in two hours, we get to stop for lunch. And all you're thinking about is, can I make it two hours? And the answer is yes. And then you get to lunch and you do your thing and then you start the next hard thing and you're like, all right, I've got till dinner time. Can I make it the three hours? Between? Yes, of course I can make it three hours. And you literally just keep approaching your challenges in bite-sized chunks and force your mind to only be focused on from here to there in a series of dominoes, to me, that's so helpful. You know, whether you're building a business or it's a relationship, you know, whatever the skill is you're learning, we can get overwhelmed by all the things that need to happen or how long something's gonna take, or we could just chunk it and say like, what about this week? What about today? Can I show up today? Can I do hard work this morning? And I think, you know, as we've been coaches for people, we end up doing similar things, whether we didn't even use that, that language. It's like, hey, can you at least knock over this domino? Yeah. If you can knock over that domino, then you can knock over the one following it. But just start off with that domino. We talk about the lead domino in a day, right? Can you wake up and drink eight ounces of water? Yeah, I can do that. Awesome. Well, if you could do that, you could probably also do this right after you're done with that. And when you're done with that, you could probably do this, right? So I thought that was a really practical takeaway at a mindset level to embody people like the Navy SEALs and, and the entrepreneurs and business owners that we've, we've interviewed are people that have gone through a significant amount of setbacks. They've gone through a significant amount of challenges and pains to get to where they are. And the difference is their, their ability to not quit. And so I think that was a secret sauce of how people like that don't quit 
is they fundamentally approach at a mental level the focus of the challenge one thing at a time versus the overwhelm of everything that's coming their way. Yeah, that is legit. That thought of progress stacks is what came to my mind, but just the the lead domino is monster, uh, just a monster concept. And it is like, hey, how do I actually stack my progress and stack my momentum, um, which is a good thing that Chris Carneal also mentioned, which was back to momentum. He just said, when you get momentum, it's the most precious asset. You got to just keep leaning into that. I thought that was a bomb takeaway uh, that has been huge. Patrick Carroll, I can't even remember if this like came up in the interview or if this was just in like conversation, but he, uh, he had a phrase like, we'll do a deal together. And you know, he's a real estate guy and, yeah. um, you know, he's, he's common, he's, he's constantly putting deals together and hearing how he puts some deals together and his like, I mean, he's a bulldog kind of guy. And that was so cool to hear that. But that phrase stuck with me as a takeaway. We'll do a deal together is how he like goes into almost every relationship. Hey, I start talking to somebody. I meet somebody new. I like them. And my initial thought is we'll do a deal together. I just thought, man, that is a great way to like pick up from somebody who's a real estate developer, how to, to treat all your, your relationships in life. You know, you guys all know I'm a big connector collaborator here. And I, I, I love that thought really connected with me of like, yeah, that's how I see every relationship. You, you never want to burn a bridge, but even going from not just wanting to not burn a bridge to this anticipation of opportunity of like this expectation of like, man, someday we're going to do a deal together. Uh, to me, that was just a cool takeaway. I'm like, I like that lifestyle um, kind of orientation that he had and it totally benefited his business, but you could tell that it was lifestyle, that it wasn't just something that only showed up when he's, you know, doing his eight to six and doing the thing. It was, it was more than that. Um, yeah, that was, that was legit. Super good. Yeah. So just thinking, thinking back to, man, we recorded this, uh, this whole season in the middle of COVID-19, which is just crazy. And I know there was a lot of different moments that you guys pulled out some wisdom, um, you know, specific to the crisis that we were in the kind of the chaos Let's just keep going deeper there. Like what, what was some advice and, and some takeaways that you guys heard that people, you know, either we're still in it right now uh, or there's another one coming, but what is some of that like crisis management, crisis leadership uh, yeah. kind of stuff that y'all took away? Yeah. No brainers, Randy Dobbs. Like he was actually, he was actually the first person that we both interviewed for the podcast. Actually it was right in the middle of the, the earliest kind of, wave of coronavirus yeah it was also somebody that we actually called as a friend and a mentor before interviewing yeah to help us with our business with the change that was coming through covid so like he comes to mind initially and just to jog the audience's uh memory or if you haven't heard his episode yet that's who he was in, in his business days he was a crisis management he was a he was the turnaround ceo uh, award winner for ge uh, because that's what he did best was kind of coming into a shit show and turning it into a gold mine. And he just has a way of leading people through tough situations and making it something really awesome. And so, mm -hmm. like I said, we called him, uh, to say, Hey, looks like the world's about to change. <laughs> what do we do? You know, how do we think about it? We want to get a, we want to go ahead and get our ducks in a row, our minds in the right places. And I'll just, a few things that came out of both the interview and that conversation with him privately that stick out is one, um, hope being a strategy. Mm. And it was something we'd already planned to talk with him about. He'd already written a book about that pre-COVID or whatever, just reflecting back on his days as a leader and his helping his daughter, you know, through her cancer battle, battle him walking into, you know, uh, underperforming companies and toxic cultures. And the thing that stuck out to most to him was that hope was a real strategy, mm. which was such a big, you know, mindset change because you literally hear people say the opposite. Like there's an actual phrase that people often use, which is hope is not a strategy. And as someone with real results leading really large organizations, he was saying the complete opposite and a little bit of a semantics, right? Because what he wasn't talking about was wishful thinking, right? What he wasn't talking about was, uh, you know, uh, naive optimism, but he was talking about something substantial, which is fundamentally believing better as possible, no matter the situation. 
fundamentally believing that this too shall pass, whatever this is, you know, whatever rough time we're in, that it will pass and believing that in those kinds of things strong enough that it translates into an action right now that hope would lead to a bold action. He talks about taking hope like a sledgehammer into the wall in front of you. And I think that's the biggest part is that like so many times when you lose hope, you just stare at a wall and you beat your head against it a little bit, or you start walking down the wall, looking for where it's going to end and how you can get around it. Or you start trying to figure out a way to go over it. And he says, no, when you really have hope, it turns into a sledgehammer of action, of decisive action that you start battering that wall down with and you find a way through. So I thought that was incredibly good advice for us that no matter what we were feeling or facing, we had to let hope be the thing that guided our strategy. And we didn't want strategy out of despair or fear or those kinds of things. Um, so that was really big. I think the other thing he said that Jordan and I have internally referenced often was he said in times of real kind of crisis or change like this, you have to have a different scorecard. So he said, you have to measure success differently. And that was something that like almost was like a prophecy that yeah. we had to come back to when we found that we were falling into the trap he warned us about, which was, so the context of the conversation was, he said, you're, you're just not going to be able to win during this season in the way that you won before this season. So he's like, you're, you're likely not going to feel great about your revenue during COVID. You're likely not going to feel great about how many deals you're landing or you know rev how much revenue you're generating so he's like just go ahead and decide that's not going to be an accurate judge of whether you're doing good work or not so he said you're gonna have to find different things to track your progress uh so that you don't get discouraged and give up and god i don't know about you joy but I, i've thought about that often yeah. and, it, and it led to practical questions so what, so what do we measure you know uh so i'd love to hear you even talk about that for a second yeah. No, I mean, I honestly, I thought that's easily my number one bit of advice. I know that it didn't come up in the podcast, but it's the you know right thing to share is with one of our guests, you know, you got to keep scored differently. I think, I mean, he said it very assertively to us in the midst of us asking about this is the situation, this was going on. And he, he also mentioned that he thought that would be the trap many people fall into is that they're going to keep trying to keep score the same. And then they're going to then have to figure out how do I respond to the disappointment I'm now experiencing, or you could start keeping score differently. And, and so even just like, what did that mean? You know, for us, we, you know, and this is something everybody on this call knows, but for, you know, anybody who might be listening like for six months and still, but mainly for six months, we ran, um, we ran scrum. We love scrum, the art of doing twice the work and half the time by Jeff Sutherland was the book that inspired me to it, uh, to it. And then many software companies are out there using agile methodology uh, and those agile principles to, to build their products, to build their companies. So really inspired by that way of doing work. But what was beautiful about that way of doing work is the whole thing is actually driven by keeping score on what you're getting done so that you can begin tracking your velocity each, uh, each sprint, which ours were, we chose two weeks. Some people choose a week, some, some people choose four weeks, but being able to lean into that, that we already had an active scorecard that was progressing, um, was incredibly, uh, supportive to getting smacked in the face in the middle of March and going, Oh man. And, you know, most people said, you know, businesses like ours don't grow in the midst of, um, you know, downturns and our business has been able to grow, which we're very thankful for just the small amount that has been able to grow. So we were able to bounce back. And I really do think the reason we were able to get those metrics was because of Randy's advice to keep score differently. And so we were able to drop down and focus. And so, you know, even championing you guys as a team, because you're, you're the ones, you know, Harrison, Trevor, that got a ton of that work done. We went from 300 points on the board in Q1 to we put up 500 points on the board in Q2. And did we do more, you know, did, did we feel like we did more, more work? Yes. Like we definitely locked down and we, we worked even harder, but I wouldn't have said we worked less hard in Q1. Like we actually just 
started to pay attention to a different scoreboard and, and really ramping that thing up. And that was incredible to see the stats when we started to measure the quarter and go, oh my goodness, like we almost did double the amount of work that we did the first quarter. And I think that's like, to me, the thing that stabilized us, sustained us was we had a scoreboard that we could pay attention to in the midst of, you know, the financials were not looking as positive and you're just uncertain of like, what the hell is about to happen? And literally don't know. And yep. now we're still like, we don't know, but we know more than we did. And that to me was, was certainly the best COVID advice. You know, I think about the, uh, gosh, it's not even like great COVID advice, but I just think about the difficulty of talking with Chris Carneal and their business model at Booster and just the reality of like, we asked him about it because we needed to, that it's pandemic time. You're running a company that does fundraisers for schools and all the schools are out. And, you know, him saying, yeah, zero revenue for 90 days. And to me, I'm like, I, I can barely even remember like where we went with advice or what do you do? But I know that's a lot of people's realities right now. And uh, I have been able to talk to Chris's, um, I think it's, I think the, his title is the president, maybe COO, but uh, Stephen Murray too. And to hear what they're doing as a team in response to that is really inspiring. And in the midst of like, gosh, this is just devastating. You know, their business isn't done, but they're still having to make hard decisions. And I think that was, that was to me was the, maybe the most challenging thing that I heard of like, man, what do you do here? And you just kind of sit in the moment of like, you really are in a, a business where it feels like you have no options, but talking with Chris, like anybody who's that interview, Chris still has the ridiculous amounts of energy, ridiculous amount of hope. And, and I, I left feeling like a high amount of belief of like, I don't know what they'll figure out, but they'll figure it out. Even if they need to start all the schools themselves or something like they're just creative and innovators. Um, so that was an interesting moment around the, the pandemic situation for me that, that certainly stuck with me. Yeah. And I want to highlight what we did, not to toot our own horn, but it felt like a, an implementation of advice we received from all the sources we just mentioned that really was helpful because, you know, I, I was meeting with one of our clients, CEO of a large organization, and literally the words out of her mouth were, I don't have any metrics to celebrate or even to know if my people are doing a good job because all the traditional metrics are just in the tank right now. And it doesn't feel like their fault, but how do I, how do I know who's doing a good job? How do we keep morale up? And that's where I told her what we had been doing, right? And the advice we'd gotten from Randy. And how that works strategically is we still had the ultimate metric in mind, which is you have to have revenue to survive, right? So it wasn't like we got away with that mattering because you can't get away with it mattering. If the money goes too far away and you can't recover it, then you don't have a business anymore and you've got to be on unemployment or something, right? But how do we get there? And how do, we, how do we get there knowing that we won't be impressed by what we see for maybe months? And that was the scrum methodology. That was like, oh, maybe the revenue didn't go up that much or at all this month, which is discouraging. But we scored 300 points. And those 300 points represent action taken towards potential revenue, meaning we had two-week experiments that were all geared towards how do we turn this around or how do we grow in the midst of a pandemic yeah. And they at least represented us doing proactive work and getting valuable information as fast as possible, right? Yeah. So it's like, did it work or did it not? It actually doesn't matter if it worked and turned into revenue. It matters that we were able to explore it as fast as possible, get it done, execute on it, and get that idea out of the way. Because who knows? Mm -hmm. It might take 50 ideas for one to work. So let's get through 50 of them as fast as possible so that we can find the one that works. Yeah. And then you can celebrate people because you actually have something. The human psyche needs something to celebrate to say, well done. Like you freaking did it. And I think that's something that if you're listening now, because we're still in a COVID pandemic, you might need to do that. If you're still mm -hmm. only looking at traditional metrics and I get, I get it, they matter. But can you, can you break it down into the series of experiments you need to make or actions you need to take that could possibly get you where you want to go and score yourself on effort, score yourself on completion. That was my favorite thing was we didn't measure to do, we measured to done. Like, did it get done? Yeah. Did it get done? Uh, you know, if we got done, that's a win. Did it get to the minimum viable product to test the idea? 
Yes. And so you'll, you'll notice your team gets motivated by that because now they're able to celebrate like, Hey, I did the thing we dreamt about doing and I put it out in the market and that's worth celebrating because if we keep doing things like this, we'll start getting results that we want. Yeah. And that, that I think is really, really worth other companies taking note of. Mm, For sure. I mean, just to reflect being led by you guys. Um, I mean, what we did in the first six months, we wrote a book, we got a digital course out, we got a podcast rolling, we partnered with a software company uh, and saw our network probably more than double in six months. And I think, I it's mean, like I'm three months, for Harrison man. I, we but, didn't even do that. No, yeah. <laughs> Sorry to speak that's over you, yeah, that's all, like three months. <laughs> it's even more impressive than what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. And I... <laughs> I think the, the the biggest thing for me is just knowing that every two weeks we're going to have to give an account of what we did and whether or not we hit our goals. And you, we continue to put some big bogeys out there for us to chase. And it definitely kept the energy and the morale high um, and gave us a little bit of certainty and a lot of uncertainty that we could have been consumed by. So uh, just to reflect back what y'all are saying, this isn't bullshit. Like this was actually a, a phenomenal strategy uh, and it was a, a great thing to be led into. Um, oh, another question that, for you on guys. That note, on that note, I think this is one other thing I would just uh, wrap that title up because we're learning. Like I'm literally processing with you guys what we learned through this season. Yeah. One, I don't know who originated this phrase, but the idea of your network being your net worth. That one was actually a big guide for us as well. Mm -hmm. And realizing, again, if you want to change the scorecard, we went from the reason why we created this podcast in one sense was like, how do we actually make friends? How do we actually grow our relationship with the kinds of people that we want to know and serve and and potentially, you know, have some kind of business relationship with? And so we're like, all right, well, revenue right now, it can't be the goal. But what could be the goal is setting ourselves up for the long term which is if your network really is your net worth, then let's increase our network because relationships are still available. And that was a, literally, I talked to a client that we, that we have whose business has gone to zero. Uh, he is a custom fabricator, meaning his business is almost primarily live events and live events are gone, right? And now to his credit, this dude could have been taking a large paycheck for several years now and instead took a very modest paycheck and literally almost Dave Ramsey his business kept a significant amount of money in the business just in case and just in case happened and so he's still alive like he has had zero revenue since p- the pandemic and he still has another eight months he thinks he can stretch this with zero income coming into the business so that's a side note but I was still brainstorming with him what do you do? What do you do? And he's like, dude, I can't do anything. There's literally no one's doing live events. And I, the thing I told him was, but bud, your network is your net worth overall and relationships are still available right now. So who are you getting to know? How are you starting friendships now? Like that is still on the table. You can track that. How many people did I reach out to that one day I'd love to work with? Who did I bring a great idea to? You know, that kind of thing. And it just, it gave him purpose. It went from stagnant, and hopeless and like I got nothing to do to oh you're right like I could be making friendships in this time that when the world opens back up I've actually fast forwarded I'm now like further along the path uh in that sense than where I was before because I became uh close with a whole new group of people that could represent opportunities once the world gets back to a semblance of normality so I think that was another one that I want to tie uh, that was a big guider for uh, guiding post for us as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was huge. I, that's a good reminder thinking about, we talked so much about anti-fragile things at, during that time and creating familial type relationships, not family, but familial, like those are tight. It's like, man, when crisis comes, family gets tighter. And so how do we go find friends? Cause we know that those are the places that will actually become stronger that you can lean into that act like gold that during, you know, during a downturn, the value of it goes up. Um, that was huge. You know, the podcast in many ways was, was a hope for that, that we could actually go and start creating relationships, find some friends to build out that continued familial 
um, network for ourselves. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, we go from inviting, let's say, Todd onto the podcast to a week later being on a boat with him and his family, yes. teaching him how to wake surf, throwing him a beer while he's surfing to the song Highway to Hell in the background and realizing he had literally the moment of his life. I, we videoed it for him. I said, I think we just videoed the highlight of your life right now yes. and got, got to teach his young son how to surf. And you saw the joy in his eyes. I was, yes. like, I was like, apart from business, nothing to do with business. Like that just came out of this season right? Yeah. Like how fun is this that we now have this friend that we're now able to connect this way. So I thought that helped his son get some, uh, some V bucks on Fortnite for him. I mean, that was great. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That was his motivation when his son didn't want to try anymore. He's like, I'll give you more V bucks for Fortnite. <laughs> like, he goes, how many? How he's many? Like, I don't know, 10 or 20. He's like deal. And he literally just hopped back in the water. Awesome. And tried again. There you go. <laughs> he got some strength, man. It's like spinach from Popeye. <laughs> yeah. He gets up and then he kept coming back in. It was like, every time I go, do I get more? And I was like, Oh, this kid's going to be an entrepreneur one day. He's already gaming the yeah. system. Good job, buddy. Yeah. That's funny. That's amazing. Um, obviously all of our guests were very different. Uh, they were selected because they were different, had different stories, uh, were in different businesses, different industries. Uh, but as I was listening to all of the episodes, I did notice that there were a lot of commonalities, um, or at least big themes that kind of emerged from all the episodes. So, uh, question for you guys is what were some of the big themes that you recognize that you'd want to shed some light on? Yeah. I mean, it's, I've, I feel bad kind of bringing it up in some ways, but it, it, we didn't mean for this to happen, but it did come out as a theme was that talent optimization matters for all of them. That happens to be the, the business that we're in, which was nice. Um, but honestly, like they all talked about people and getting good people and incentivizing their people and developing culture that their people would want to be a part of so that you could continue to recruit higher and better talent. Um, that was easily a theme of even the part the business partners that they had i could never have been at this place if i didn't have that person so teamwork team dynamics uh the talent that you surround yourself with um nobody builds businesses this big or this fast alone and that's a, that's a deep essential belief of us that that's why you got to invest in those and that theme came out without prompting for almost all of them you know that wasn't something that we intended to try to extract um, that was just in the DNA of all these leaders that, that their talent and that their people really, they had a deep belief that that made up their business in a lot of ways. Oh yeah, dude. Again, that, that's the first thing that came to mind to me, which was serendipitous. Like, ah, oh. I mean, I remember in one of the episodes I made a joke, like I promise we didn't tee you up for that, you know, cause the person didn't, he didn't even know that was the business we were in. And he was giving such a great endorsement for, talent optimization and the use of coaches like Bono. Okay. So Bono has a chief motivating officer, right? Like he found it valuable enough to literally have somebody employed to just take care of team dynamics, morale, coaching, whatever. Uh, Todd, Todd has a PhD, a friend of ours, a PhD coach who's his personal coach and values coaching so much that he wants that to be that kind of thing to be available for his organizations. Like if you look at each of the symmetry, symmetry has paid us a ton of money to be coaches for their people like that thing has popped up in every one of those businesses that they understand the value of investing in their people there's yeah. less meat on the bone of them talking about a specific strategy that took them from start to finish line they have a specific strategy that got them in the game and then they had people to execute it and they realized that was the variable the variable is the people who is going to execute on the strategy and so the 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 investment in the culture that, you know, the culture that reinforces a certain kind of uh, person and execution. And then the people themselves and that they're individual, they're unique and they have personalities and they have baggage and they have hangups and habits and all those kinds of things. That, that for sure. And then when we asked them their greatest fear, uh, mm -hmm. almost all of them said hiring the wrong person or yeah. some kind of cancer being in their, so it still was around people. It was hiring the wrong person or the wrong person already being there and being a cancer to the team and ruining uh, the, the culture that they so prize and that's getting them such great results, you know? Uh, so both in their greatest fear and in their greatest uh, accomplishments, it still revolved around people. So to me, that was the no-brainer takeaway for this podcast. Yeah. And if you can't tell, we really love that conversation. I'm a little, 
little jump. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for uh, asking. That is, uh, that is slightly good for us. Yeah. <laughs> um, guys, the last question to wrap up. Um, you know, obviously we're going to continue doing this. And um, I'm just curious what your hopes and dreams are for future seasons, future episodes. Uh, and if there are any specific guests that you want to call to action right here live to try to get them on the podcast. No one comes to mind uh, with that question. And here's why. Because one of the unique angles that we wanted to take on this podcast is not necessarily being celebrity driven, meaning like that some big name person comes to mind that we have to use, you know, social media to invite them or something like that. Uh, because sometimes whether true or untrue, uh, meaning whether this is fair or not fair, uh, they represent something that people can't relate to. Like if you're Jeff Bezos or Bezos, however you say his freaking name, <laughs> is he really inspiring beyond a few principles? No, because you categorize him in the kind of success that you're like, Am I ever really going to go from here to there? No, right? But when you find people like we're interviewing, they actually do represent you. They represent what is possible for you to do. Yeah. And so that's why no one specifically comes to mind in terms of like, oh, God, they're like a dream, like a celebrity dream that we get on here. Uh, what I find is that the people we want to have in this podcast that represent the founders of fast-growing you know, fast businesses – actually are available because they're not celebrities, but they are highly respected in their industry. And that, that pumps me up. Like I want to talk to people that have a track record that is highly respected and has wisdom that is very timely, but they only feel like they're a few steps ahead. And that's what we hope this to represent to the podcast is like you may be having an issue that they solved a year ago or six months ago. And so it feels like, really timely for you uh and we want to keep interviewing people like that you know yeah uh whether you've heard of them or not someone that would represent a real uh roadmap or a key insight or something that helps your actual journey as you try to grow your business yeah yeah man i think that's good i think i would hop onto that for my my hopes and dreams for the podcast would be um it's really difficult to follow somebody two steps ahead so I think Drew, I think you were given that advice directly from Rob Bell back in the day. Yep. Um, only need to be a half step ahead. That you only need you, you only need to be a half step ahead to be followed by somebody. But to flip that on on sort of kind of our hopes and dreams is it is difficult. Like man, we love the how I built this podcast, but some of the, those stories you hear, it's so difficult to imagine yourself at that place. Now a lot of them, you're like, yeah, I could I can imagine that. You hear their stories. But we wanted to see, could we find those people that are like a half step, a step ahead of, of some people that would go, wow, actually, I want to hear those people that are a half step ahead of me because I could see myself in that next step tomorrow. And, yep. and that to me was, was a hope that we would continue to find people a half step ahead of most people in life. Yeah. We're going, wow, that is that really challenges me. I'm not there yet. But now I believe that I could take that one step further up the mountain. You know, I could actually go and get that dream. I've always been thinking about doing this thing and now, yeah, I'm going to do it because I heard that one concept or that we would, you know, that we would help somebody avoid a really costly mistake because they, they shifted around and they did something that they, they heard on the podcast and are like, oh, wow, I could have made that mistake, but I didn't because I heard, heard these guys share something. I think that would be my, my deep, deep belief uh, and hope for the, for the podcast I would. I, David Cummings comes to mind. Atlanta Tech Village, Pardot, sold to Salesforce. Yeah, he's somebody that is, uh, I think, in our world enough um, that I would like. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be interested in, in talking to him. Had a few people that have worked for his company, heard about him. He was referenced in one of our podcasts, and I'm like, yeah, I'd like to hear that guy's guy's story. Certainly, somebody who's um, probably uh, one and a half steps ahead. Um, but somebody that I'd like to, to hear from. Yeah, man. Good question. Yeah. If you, if you know, if you own an Island, like if you own, if you own Necker Island, Richard yes. Branson, love you, follow you on Instagram, super inspirational, probably not who we're going to be reaching out to, to be on this podcast, you know, yeah. <laughs> because it's not the people that have built something. It's the people uh, that are building something. Epstein would not have been on our podcast. 
Oh, I didn't even oh, think about it. that. Oh, I man. That. Oh, God. Yeah, definitely. Back in Ireland. Oh, man. Hilarious. Love it. Well, guys, uh, like Jordan said, to loop back all the way to the beginning, thank you to Trevor and Harrison for helping us build this. Uh, you are part of engineering the idea, engineering the, the actual securing of these guests, editing the podcast, getting it out, promoting it, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so one big thank you to you guys. Thank you to, secondly, all of you following and listening. That has made this so fun and so worth it. And I would just invite you to help us shape the ongoing uh, formation of this podcast. So we took a stab. We took a guess at what we think would be most helpful for you. But we just invite you to reach out. Reach yeah. out to us. Let us know who you'd love to hear from. Let us know maybe even specific questions you'd like us to ask uh, yeah. these founders. Uh, because the ultimate, I, you know, the ultimate value is whatever value you're getting from it. So that would be my invitation to you is you've gotten to hear more of our takeaways. You've gotten to hear what stuck out to us. You've got to hear our hopes for the future, but we'd love to know that from you. What were your biggest takeaways? What was most helpful for you? And who would you be most excited to hear from? Or yeah. what direction would you like to see the future go? We'd love to take that into serious consideration. Um, so anyways, boys, I'm having a blast. Jordan, so fun to get to do this podcast uh, yep. with somebody and not only just somebody but my best friend and business partner so this has been a really fun uh season one and so excited for season two boom in the books man thank you all right folks until next time okay friends thanks for listening we hope you enjoyed it head to zero to five thousand dot com for exclusive tools to grow your business that's z-e-r-o-t-o five thousand dot com